So um, <clears throat> tonight we're going to um, we're going to start with a, a new series that uh, we're calling "On Earth as in Heaven," right here in Kyalpha. And so um, I want to start with a little little historical fact, little story about my family. Um, how many of you guys knew that years ago, decades ago, at this point, um, the U.S. government actually used to send cigarettes over to its soldiers? When they were in battle, they would literally ship boatloads of cigarettes over to uh, to our soldiers, and, and they would they would do this because um, they didn't really know the effects of cigarettes at the time. They just knew for some reason it seems to calm our soldiers down whenever they're in the midst of battle, and um, and so effectively they just ship all these soldiers over, and then they ship a ton of. Um, uh, cigarettes over there with them. My grandfather was actually one of those soldiers that they were like feeding cigarettes to. And so he actually um, went and fought and then um, <clears throat> he came back hating rice but loving cigarettes. Okay? And so, you know, like, th- th- hey, thank you, U.S. government. Way, you know, we. Um, <laughs> but this was, so he came back, he's addicted to cigarettes, and, and, and this was during a time when a lot of people smoked. Okay? My grandmother and my grandfather both began to smoke cigarettes, and, and they, they raised uh, my uncle inside of this environment. And, you know, truthfully, we didn't really know the harmful effects of cigarettes um, for a very long time uh, until after they, people had been smoking, Americans had been smoking cigarettes um, a lot for, for many, many years before we ever figured out the harmful side effects to the smoker. And then it took even longer for us to figure out the harmful side effects to those that were in the environment of the smoker. We would call it secondhand smoke, right? And so my uncle growing up in, in, um, in my grandparents' house, like I remember going and visiting like at Christmas. And if you ever walked into someone's house who smokes heavily indoors and it's like there's a haze, right? Throughout the house, like it, when, when you smoke, there's like this grayish yellow haze that gets on everything. Like the walls, the ceilings, the windows, the ceiling fan, like everything, right? It just kind of covers it. And you walk in and you smell it, right? And I remember going to my grandparents' house and, and that always bothered me a little bit. Um, but my uncle growing up in this house, um, he, actually, uh, he, he actually had really bad asthma. And so throughout high school, when he's in athletics, um, he was never very athletic. And he just had a really difficult time because anytime he was involved in any sort of physical, strenuous activity, he's running for an inhaler, right? So he's doing laps in football, and he's not completing the laps. He's like running for an inhaler. And he's just constantly having these problems. And um, this went on throughout his entire high school career. About, I think it was about a year after he graduated high school, my uncle decided to go into the army. He enlists. He goes off to boot camp. Now, how many of you know that boot camp is strenuous? If you've ever seen somebody who's been to boot camp, right, they, they, like, you're running a whole lot, you're jogging, you're like throwing on 45-pound backpacks and going on long hikes and long jogs. It's physically strenuous, right? And, and so my uncle, he goes and, and, you know, we're a little bit worried about him because this is the dude who couldn't compete in high school athletics because of his asthma, right? But he goes into boot camp and he actually 
become super athletic. <laughs> like, the dude come back, like, ripped and, like, buff, and, like, he's doing all these push-ups, and he can run really far, and, you know, like, all this kind of stuff. And, and so it turns out my uncle was not asthmatic at all. It was just the environment of his boyhood home that had been damaging his lungs and keeping his lungs from fully healing and developing into what they should be. And so what happened was after being out of this house for several months, if not a year, his lungs had begun to heal. He went off to boot camp and his lungs had grown into whatever young man's lungs should be. So this environment of his boyhood home was actually was actually stunning the growth of a very foundational piece of his physical life. Spiritually speaking, the environment that you're in has a whole lot to do with your spiritual growth as well. See, the environment that you're in can stunt or hinder spiritual growth or it can encourage spiritual growth. And See, for some of you guys, you recognize this. Like, we want Chi Alpha to be a place that is, that, that's easy to grow spiritually. And so some of you have noticed, like, you came into Chi Alpha and suddenly it was, like, easy to grow in the Lord. You felt yourself, even just, we're a few weeks into this semester, and, and you're already thinking, man, I've grown a ton spiritually since I've been inside of this environment. Some of you, kind of the opposite has happened. You, you've been like, man, I had a great youth group, great community back home. And, and since I've gotten into college life, my spiritual growth has kind of halted or been stymied a little bit. But the truth is, for either one of those, um, for either one of those instances, I bet that there are some pretty um, particular things that you can point to that have either encouraged or discouraged your spiritual growth. And most of those are probably dealing with the, the culture or the environment that you now find yourself in. See, for some of you, Chi Alpha has been like the springboard into something phenomenal. You found healing, you found encouragement, you found an easy place to grow, and, and man, you feel like your relationship with the Lord is just blossoming. And then for others of you, you've kind of left a culture that was really healthy or an environment that was really healthy, and, and you've, and you, you've kind of yet to, to redevelop that kind, of, um, that kind of environment for yourself. And you guys kind of understand this, but I, I want to illustrate this for you for just a minute. Um, so what we've got here is a, um, is a couple of growing instances, okay, uh, growing pots. I've got some seeds here, okay. We went down and we bought watermelon seeds because everybody loves watermelon, right? If you don't, we'll get you saved later. Um, and then we've got some miracle grow. Okay, that's fitting for church, right? Miracle grow. Okay, and so we got some potting mix and some good seeds. Now, how many of you know that if I take these seeds, these brand new good seeds, throw them in the soil, okay, and then I stick them under this, this lamp and I water them and I create this awesome environment, these seeds should grow, shouldn't they? And they should produce some really good fruit, right? But let's just say for a minute that I take these seeds and I, I put the soil in the bucket and I put the seed in there. And, and instead of putting the light on it, I actually take these seeds in the soil, put it in the bucket, and I stick it down here in the fridge. How many of you think it's going to grow in that environment? See, you guys understand it. Man, that fridge is like cold. Check that out. See a bottle of water in there. Hmm. It's like they knew I was going to need that. <clears throat> See, you guys get this. Like, so we would say this. Good seed in good soil in a good environment produces good fruit. 
right? See, some people, they'll try to limit this to just good seed and good soil. Because, you know, scripturally, you begin to read that you reap what you sow and, and like you want to plant good seed and good soil and then you get good fruit. But, but what we just witnessed here is that it takes good seed and good soil in the good environment to produce good fruit. And so for some of you guys, Kyle has been a new environment for you. It's been a good environment. We hope Chi Alpha is a good environment for you. We hope that inside of this environment you can grow spiritually. See, it, God understood this from the very beginning. So if you were to go back and you were to look at, at the creation account, go back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, in the first few verses of Genesis chapter 1, we see God's story of creation. We've got a picture up here that kind of describes some of this. But the very first thing that God created was what? No. Day one, you guys are looking at the picture. It's a little bit, it's a, it's a little bit tricky. He created the heavens and the earth. Okay? Now the earth was formless. It was without void. Okay? There was darkness covering the surface of the, of the earth. Right? So on day one, God creates the heaven and the earth. Okay? And then he separates the light from the darkness. Okay? So... Um, you had it like halfway right. Um, and then on day two, depending on what version of the Bible that you're reading, it says that, that God creates an expanse or a vault, or some versions would say a firmament that separated the waters above from the waters below. That's God creating the earth's atmosphere. You guys understand that? So there's water above, water below. Flip those, right? And, and you get atmosphere, right? And so God, in creating the earth, begins to create the earth in this orderly way. Creates the heavens and the earth, separates light and darkness, creates the atmosphere that exists around the earth. And then on day three, he gathers together the waters, brings forth dry land. And then, after creating the environment, God brings forth plants and the seeds that grow into plants that produce good fruit. Now, could any of those plants have had survived? Would any of those plants have survived if the Lord hadn't created an atmosphere for them to survive in? Like, do you guys recognize that our atmosphere actually protects us from burning up from the sun and freezing at night? Right? Like, have, have you heard this in science class? You know, like any science class at all? Like, <laughs> you guys are looking at me with very blank stares right now. See, I, we would say this. Spiritually speaking, the seed of the gospel needs a great environment to thrive in and to flourish in and to begin to produce fruit in. The same way that God said in the very beginning, we're going to plant seed and these seeds are going to grow into plants that are going to produce fruit and more seeds that produce fruit. The same thing happens with us spiritually. We need a great environment for the seed of the gospel to begin to grow and take root in. So for Chi Alpha, we call this environment that we've created our culture. And so the environment that any organization um, uh, kind of lives in and operates in is, is going to be its culture. And so we, we hope that, that Chi Alpha is a kingdom culture. We hope it's a culture where you can grow spiritually, where you're encouraged to grow spiritually. And this kingdom culture needs to rest right here in Chi Alpha. So where do we get that from? In Matthew 6, verse 9 through 13, Jesus 
teaches his disciples how to pray. They ask him, um, hey, Jesus, we've noticed your prayer life is really strong and really powerful. Um, Would you mind teaching us how to pray like you pray? Jesus says this. He says, this sin is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So I want you to notice something here. Um, Jesus begins his prayer in a way that that we should begin our prayer as well. He begins his prayer with praise. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's simply saying, God, you are really big and good, and I recognize that. You're God, I'm not. You're my Father in heaven. I'm so grateful for this relationship we have. Thank you, God, for everything that you are. And, and for us, whenever we pray, we're kind of naturally inclined to immediately jump to like what we need, right? Have you ever noticed that? Like it's really simple for us to, to just jump to the needs. God, I really need this. God, I have an exam tomorrow. I really need help passing my exam, right? God, my gas tank is empty. Would you mind helping a brother out, right? Or a sister, okay? And you're like, God, help a college student out. Help me out, right? So we, we're really quick to jump to our needs, but... <clears throat> And and don't get me wrong here, okay? Jesus doesn't go straight there, but I think that God is like totally pleased with meeting our needs as his children. Like the the same way that I'm pleased, like my daughters come to me and they're like, Daddy, can we have some Cheerios? And they can't reach them because they're on the top shelf of the pantry. So they need their daddy to come get the Cheerios for them, right? And, And I'm pleased. Like I love doing this for my daughters, okay? And I think God does the same, I think he acts the same way and feels the same way about meeting our needs, right? He's the big God that can reach the Cheerios on the top of the, the pantry, okay? That, that's who God is, and, and I think he's pleased when he gives us those things, right? But Jesus doesn't jump to the needs portion of the prayer. Jesus actually begins to speak towards something different. He says, nope, go back. <laughs> Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, uh, Jesus, instead of jumping into the needs that we might have like bread or forgiveness, right? Or helping us forgive others, leading us not into temptation. Before he moves into all of those needs, he actually begins to speak to culture, to the environment that exists right here on earth. And he, it, it, because what Jesus knows is that if we can take this, this kingdom of heaven culture and we can implement that here on earth, everything changes, doesn't it? And you guys get this. Like, so just, just take for a minute the, the, as we have also forgiven our debtors. In other words, God, would you help us forgive those that have sinned against us, Right? Would you help us to forgive those we're supposed to forgive? Now, the culture that you live in is going to either encourage or discourage your forgiveness of others. And you guys understand this because um, let's, let's say this. Maybe with some old friends, say in high school, okay, this seemed to happen a lot in high school. Anytime somebody made a mistake or did something stupid, they were labeled, weren't they? See, anytime somebody, you know, did something that was against me, all of a sudden, I've got a lot of friends around me that are giving me the right to hold that against them. 
and to begin to build up walls. And, you know, I can't believe they did that to you. Man, they're this, they're that, they're, you know, whatever. And so all of a sudden there's like this wall that exists between me and that individual. And I've got a lot of friends around me who are encouraging this division. But Christians turn around and we begin to go, we begin to read the Bible. And you read things like Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. <clears throat> I'm willing to bet you've got some friends who don't live this way. But hopefully, inside of this Kyle environment, inside of this culture, you've found some friends who do live this way. And so when you are wronged, when something happens, when there is forgiveness that is needed from you towards someone else, you've got some friends around you who are going, listen, I know it hurt. I know it wasn't right. But you got to forgive them. Don't let that root of bitterness grow up inside of your heart. And they begin to encourage you towards a different way. See, what Jesus knows is if we can take this kingdom culture and implement it right here, It actually helps with all the other stuff, doesn't it? It helps us forgive. It helps us to live for the Lord when we're inside of the right environment, inside of the right culture. You see, inside of that Ephesians 4 environment, hopefully inside of this Chi Alpha culture, you find it easier for the gospel to have a great effect on who you are. Jesus recognized that one of the most important things he could pray for was that the kingdom of heaven would invade earth. He just knew. If that happens, everything changes. So, culture. If we we were to define culture like in a West Texas way, we would say, well, it's the way we do things around here. Right? Right? How many of you have had that job where you like got the new job and it was nothing like your old job? And you, you walked in and, you know, you're like, hey, why, why do we do that? And like, it's just the way we do things around here, right? That, that's kind of culture, right? It's that thing that's, that's sometimes hard to define, but when you get in there, you recognize it, right? Businesses all the time are talking about their culture. It's, it's the thing that they've, that they've created, that they live for. And, and really, culture is defined by a couple, of, a couple of things. Number one, it's defined by, like, this unique identity, Okay? It's, it's defined by this unique identity. So who we are creates who we are collectively, right? You guys understand that? Like Chi Alpha as a community, Chi Alpha as a church, Chi Alpha as an organization that, that is reaching out to Angelo State University and the young adults of San Angelo and Howard College and Goodfellow Air Force Base. Who we are collectively starts with who we are individually, right? Because the truth of the matter is, Let's say you're wearing a Kyle Alpha shirt tomorrow. You go out to eat somewhere and you're really rude to the waitress. All of a sudden, Kyle Alpha's rude. Right? So, this Kyle Alpha is simply a group of like unique individuals. But we share a couple of things. We share a common experience and we share some common values. And when you find a group of people who share a common experience and some common values, what you find is that there's a culture that is created in the mix. And so here's what it looks like for us, okay? 
um, this common experience for us should be that we have all encountered Jesus. We have all encountered the gospel. See, and, and we would say this when it comes to like seed and plants. And if you read throughout scripture, what you find out is that the gospel is actually really good seed. The gospel is, is really good seed. And if you go and you read the parable of the sower, okay, could, could just as easily become the parable of the soils. It's in all, four, um, uh, in all four gospel accounts. If you go and read that, what you find out is there's never anything wrong with the gospel. But the gospel doesn't always take root, does it? And see, part of the reason the gospel doesn't take root is either the soil of our hearts isn't right, okay? You can have a hard heart, so when you begin to hear the gospel, it just kind of bounces off of you and doesn't have any effect, right? Um, you, can have, uh, you can have kind of a, um, a heart where maybe the gospel comes in and it has an effect for a little bit, you get all excited about Jesus for a night, and then you go out into the world and you figure out it's really hard to live for Jesus, and so the gospel quits having an effect. Uh, you, you could uh, come in here and, man, you get all excited about Jesus, you get into a life group, and the gospel begins to take root in your life, and, and then the next thing you know, you, you go home for Christmas, and all of the worries of life begin to crowd in until you forget about the gospel, Right? And then there's the good soil. It's the good soil where the gospel comes in. It takes root. And nothing is allowed to crowd out the gospel. Nothing is allowed to to uproot the gospel. It's not burned away by by the persecutions or trials of this world, right? And it finds a great environment to begin to thrive inside of. And that gospel ends up producing fruit some 30, 60, 100 fold is how the Bible would describe it. So we have the good seed of the gospel that takes root in our heart. But just like we, we expressed over here, we need good seed of the gospel in our hearts, taking root inside of a great environment or inside of a great culture. And so for us, my, my question to you tonight might be this. Has the gospel been deeply rooted in your heart? Has the gospel taken hold of who you are? Is the gospel something that is easy for you to turn away from? Or is the gospel something that defines all of your life? See, for most of us in this room, it works like this. We have had an an encounter with the gospel. And, And the truth is, we're all individuals who aren't that much different from everybody else, except that the seed of the gospel has taken root deeply in our hearts. And as that gospel matures in each of us, it brings hope and freedom and love. It, 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 it granted us a relationship with Jesus, with our creator. And, and when the gospel begins to take deep root, what you actually feel is this longing in your heart to love Jesus more than anything or anyone else. For some of you, Jesus is not yet your first love. There's only one of the four soils in the parable of the sower that actually make it. Some of you tonight are allowing the love of other things to come in and take the place of Jesus. Some of you have allowed the the worries or the concerns of this world, the things of this world to crowd out 
the gospel. But I will tell you this. When you find a community of people who love Jesus and are committed to Jesus over and above absolutely everything else, there's something really special about that community. And and see, some of you, you kind of get this, like you've seen little glimpses of this before. Like you look at your life group leader and you're like, that dude really loves Jesus like way more than I love Jesus. I don't know if I could love Jesus that much. It's okay. You have time to mature. I would say this, don't get out of that environment. Stay in a place where the gospel can take root and begin to produce fruit in your life as well. Stay in a place where the gospel can be effective in your life as well. So if your life group leader is that person, hang out with your life group leader. If, if you feel spiritually encouraged when you show up on a Tuesday night, sh- keep showing up on a Tuesday night. You've got a, great, uh, you've got a great church that you attend on Sunday mornings, keep attending church on Sunday mornings. There's all these different things that we can do to, to help um, to help the gospel continually take root and go deeper and deeper into our lives. But we said this, that, that it's, a, it's this unique identity of all of us having this experience with Jesus, where the gospel has taken root in our lives. And because of that, what ends up happening is that we begin to value things that Jesus values. So think of it like this. Um, some of you, have like that significant other that you're pursuing, okay? And some of you are like, man, I would love to be in a relationship with so-and-so, and they, you know what, I really hate Burger King, but they really like Burger King, so you start valuing Burger King, right? <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes Burger King except them, but I'm going to go hang out at Burger King. Why? Because they're there, right? It, it, it kind of works the same way with Jesus, When you're developing this love for the Lord, you begin to value the things that Jesus values. And maybe these things that you had never considered loving before, all of a sudden they have this little affection in your heart. And you go, maybe there really is something to that. Maybe Burger King's fries are better than McDonald's fries. Who knew? Right? Maybe not. (laughs) Bad example. Um, So... So here's the thing, okay? As we open up this series, um, I want us to look at some things that Jesus values. I want us to look at some aspects of a kingdom of heaven culture that should exist right here in Chi Alpha. Because here's the thing. Some of you walked into Chi Alpha and you found a Christian environment, a Christian culture that you were surrounded by and you're like, this is really cool and I love this and I feel like I'm growing here, but you haven't quite figured out why. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna give you the secret sauce. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna tell you everything that we're about that that we think Jesus is about. And because we love Jesus, we're going to value the things that he values, and we're going to incorporate those into this culture. So we're literally just going to pick up on, uh, over the course of the next few weeks, some things that we think we'll see in heaven for eternity that we can start doing right here on earth right now. Because when Jesus prays for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, we think that can start right now. It's going to start with us individually, and it's going to start with us collectively. Now, before 
we go into any of those things. And in fact, tonight, we're not even going to talk about them. We're going to start this next week. We're going to begin to give you these values. And, and, um, but, but here's the thing. You got to catch this tonight. The worst thing that could happen is that you attend Chi Alpha for the next five or six weeks. And you begin to learn these good things about the kingdom. And you figure out how to be a good man or a good woman. But you fail to meet Jesus? You'll miss it all. Absolutely everything that we're going to talk about, as good and as awesome as it might be, it all hinges on a relationship with Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And some of you guys, you know the good guy or the good girl that's been in church their whole life that doesn't love Jesus. Here's the problem. Good people don't go to heaven. People that love Jesus do. So when I say that the worst thing that could happen is that you figure out how to be good, but you don't figure out what it looks like to fall in love with Jesus, I'm serious because it has eternal consequences. It has to start with a relationship with Jesus. So my question to you tonight is this. Are you in a place where you love Jesus more than anything else? Is he your Lord and your Savior? We say this all the time. Lord means he's king. He gets to make the decisions. He gets to make the rules. What he values, we value. And Savior means this. I need a ticket into heaven, and Jesus is the only one that has that ticket. I can't get there without him. Jesus as Lord and as Savior. And for some of you, in your past, this may have looked like kind of a legalistic, I need to do this because Jesus said so kind of thing. That's a very different attitude to have versus, I want to do this because I love Jesus. If we can... Go back to the Burger King illustration. I will go to Burger King every day of the week if that's what it takes. And and as I say that, let me make this a little more plain, okay? Um, We've got got a list of some things that you can do that can kind of cultivate a kingdom culture inside of our own hearts. Um, Show me this list. Throw them all up there real quick, guys. Um. Let me run through this list real quick for you. And, and here's my question tonight. If any of these things strike you as a, like, oh man, I only do that because I'm supposed to do that, you've got the wrong heart about the thing. You're going to Burger King for the wrong reason, if I can put it that way, right? Because when I talk about prayer, some of you guys go, dude, prayer's boring. Why would I want to do that? But How many of you know that when you're in love with somebody, you like talking to them? I can look at your phone and let you know how much you like talking to them, in fact, right? It's the 10,000 text messages you've sent to them and Snapchats and everything else, right? That's prayer. We talk to the God that we're in love with. We, We communicate with the God of heaven, our creator, our heavenly father. 
Um, I, heard, I heard a spiritual mentor say this one time, because some of you guys, you're like, man, Heath, I've tried praying, but it's like I get two minutes in, and I'm bored, and God's bored, and we don't know what else to say, right? It, it, like, I get it, okay? But I, I heard a spiritual mentor say this. He said, I rarely pray longer than five minutes, but I rarely go five minutes without praying. And, and if I can just be honest, like being married to my wife, I get that. We can take a road trip, and, and maybe our conversation doesn't last the entire road trip, but there's probably not too many five-minute sections where we're not communicating about something, right? When you're in love with the Lord, it kind of works the same way. Just throughout the day, we're kind of living life with the Lord, in prayer with the Lord. It doesn't have to be some long, drawn-out, you know, King James Version prayer with these and nows and stuff like that. Um, number two, play worship music. I, I would encourage some of you to replace the songs on your playlist with worship music. That hurts some of you, I can tell. It's like ripping off a Band-Aid, right? <laughs> um, listen, do I think that there's anything about playing music through some headphones that, that, that does anything for you spiritually? No, but I do think that what is going in matters. And, and, if, and if worship music can remind you of how big and awesome God is for just a, just a moment, it's worth it. It's worth it. it. It directs our mind and directs our focus. It cultivates a kingdom culture in our own hearts. Number three, reading scripture. Reading scripture. Um, some of you guys need to get with your life group leader and figure out what like the Bible app is and what Bible reading plans are. And, and man, like... So, um, no lie, I heard the other day that, um, I don't even know who it was, but like, it, like, there's like a Bible as big as my backpack, right? And like, dude's like carrying it around, and his life group leader was like, hey man, we need to get you like a better Bible, <laughs> you know, like something easier to carry, you know? And, and um, man, your life group leader wants you reading scripture. I, I, I'll say this, I, I have yet to, met, uh, to meet a life group leader who wouldn't give you their Bible. Like it's that important to us to get you in the word of God because we've seen the value of it. We know what the word of God does to our hearts. And for you, maybe that's, man, I need to start with a chapter a week. For some of you, that's a chapter a day. For some of you, your, your 15 minute prayer time and, and Devo time needs to turn into 30 minutes. Like wherever you're at, it, some of you, it's like time to take the next step, right? And, and Studying the Word of God is going to begin to cultivate this kingdom culture inside of your heart. Um, number four, hanging out with the right friends. We kind, of, we kind of talked about that a minute ago. Listen, your friends are going to determine the trajectory of your spiritual walk with the Lord for your entire college career. Um, <clears throat> I've yet to meet anybody who does it alone and does it well. What I have met is a whole bunch of people who had a hard time finding the right community to hang out in and they decided they would try to do it alone and they didn't make it very far. There's something about being around the right group of friends that helps us grow in the Lord. For some of you, that means you need to get rid of some friends. For some of you, that means you need to start honoring uh, those friends that the Lord has put in your path right now, right? Some of you have said no to life group one too many times. And you need to start hanging out in the right places, right? Um, <clears throat> number five, filter what you let in. 
So this is not just play worship music, but actually consider what you're paying attention to. Like um, Ravi Zacharias says this, he says, what you think on matters, what you laugh at matters. It's actually an indicator of what's in your heart. So um, when you're laughing at something that, 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 um, that God hates, um, there's, there's, there's something there that, that needs to be broken off, right? There's something there that needs to change. Um, you know, if, um, okay, I'll give you a prime example. My wife left so I can talk about her. <laughs> Um, so, um, whenever we first got married, here's what I figured out about my wife. Um, whenever we first got married, we would like, we'd eat out like all the time because it was cheaper to go eat out than buy groceries, right? Because it's just two of us. Okay. And so every night we'd like, I'd come home, I'd get home from work, but Hey babe, where do you want to go eat? She'd be like, I don't know. Where do you want to go? And what I know is that's not a real question. Okay. Like it's just not. And, and what I learned quickly because I'm smart is that, the first answer I throw out to that question is always going to be a no. For whatever reason, you women understand this. Every dude in the house is going, I get it. I've heard this. I, I've experienced this, right? The first answer that was thrown out every single time was a no. Here's also what I learned about my wife that I knew. She hates Chinese food. So... What's the first answer I throw out every single time? Chinese food. Because I know she's going to say no to the thing she hates anyway. It's a kill two birds with one stone, right? We're just, you know. So this went on for like months until finally my wife was like mad that I would say Chinese food every time she asked me this. And she said, why do you keep saying that? I'm like, because the first thing that I say is going to be a no from you. So I may as well just get the obvious one out of the way. That's why, right? She didn't think that was funny at all. Okay. So because I love my wife, am I going to keep giving that answer? Am I going to keep saying Chinese food every single time? Like, am I going to keep doing the thing when I know that it's hurting my wife? Like, that my wife doesn't like it? Because in my wife's eyes, she's going, you know I don't like Chinese food. Why do you keep saying it? Like, Are you just against me? You know? You see what I'm saying? There's two sides to that, right? And it kind of works the same way with the Lord. Like, the Lord wants for us to enjoy him and to love him, to be infatuated by him. So if you find yourself infatuated by sin and things that are abhorrent to the Lord, the Lord's kind of sitting back and going, but I thought you loved me. Why do you keep turning to that thing that you know I don't like? And you keep finding enjoyment in that, right? And so when I say filter what you let in, you know, the immediate thing that comes to mind is things like media, right? The things that we're constantly looking at. And, and, and the truth is, um, if you've never considered it before, I, I would challenge you to begin to, to, to consider the things that you're letting in on a regular basis, right? And that's just simply scrolling through a phone. That's sitting there, like, binge-watching a show on Netflix. It's, it's all of these things, right? And so, um, yeah, filter what you let in. Um, number six, speak life. Speak life. We will actually spend an entire sermon um, talking about this thing that we call honor around here. And honor is a big thing in a Kyle culture for us. Um, for those of you that are kind of, you know, you're kind of wondering what this is, you're equating honor with respect, we'll clear some of that up. But what I want you to focus on tonight is this. 
I want you to begin to speak life to those that are around you. Um, When you have the opportunity to cut somebody down, be intentional about building them up, right? When you have the opportunity to talk bad about something or someone, maybe just shut your trap until you have something nice to say, right? You guys have heard that. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, that, That only halfway works because what that's really pointing to is a heart condition that needs to be dealt with. If you don't have anything nice to say, you have yet to view them through the lenses of Christ. Can you ever imagine Jesus not having anything nice to say about someone? You see what I'm saying? And so, um, for us, like these things are simply helping us take steps towards cultivating a kingdom culture, number one, in our hearts, and then number two, if individually if we can create this culture in our hearts where the gospel thrives, our culture as this collection of individuals will be a community where the gospel thrives. You guys following? We've got a choice, okay? Our heart gets to be like this or our heart gets to be like this. Individually. Our heart gets to be this or this. As a collection of individuals right here in Chi Alpha, we will be known as either this or this. But it always starts with us individually with the Lord. Again, let me revert it back to Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. If you do all of these things just to be good, you've already missed it. If you do these things because you're in love with Jesus, you'll fit right in. Because this is is what we want to be about individually. But it's always been about Jesus, his forgiveness, his new life. Walking this thing out with him day in and day out. Next few weeks, I hope you guys can make it. We're going to talk about a few of these things. And man, for some of you guys, this is going to be so transformational. Because here's what you're going to figure out. For those of you that do love Jesus, you're going to figure out that um, you're going to figure out how to take what you're experiencing right here and implement it in other areas of your life. Here's what I hear. Um, We talk about the Chi Alpha bubble. And it's like where people were living for the Lord as long as they were in the Chi Alpha bubble. But the second they graduated or the second that they left, it seemed like they fell away from the Lord and they began to live for other things other than Jesus. And when you talk to some of them, they just go, man, it was just, you know, it was a Chi Alpha bubble. Like it was just, and what they're saying there is it was super easy to do it back there, but what happened there didn't prepare me for real life. Like the Alpha bubble isn't real life. And here's what they did. They thought that they would be okay to borrow the kingdom culture of Chi Alpha. But they never took responsibility for creating the kingdom culture in Chi Alpha. So whenever they left Chi Alpha, they didn't know how to create a kingdom culture there either. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at what it takes to create a kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven. Got it? You guys good? Okay. I hope you can make it the next few weeks. Let me pray for you guys real quick. 